Welcome to our podcast, Doing It Right. This podcast reveals authentic stories from successful leaders doing it right. It's about their journey to become a leader, their choices, motivations, and lessons. In essence, how they built successful personal brands. Your host is Valerie Sokolowski, author of eight leadership books and nationally known as an authority on executive presence and personal branding. Let's get started. Here's Valerie. Well, hello and welcome back. Oh, I can't wait to do this segment today. Don't forget, though, before we start, there's that red button to the side. Please click it and subscribe so you don't miss any of our fabulous guests. Okay, watch this. Hey Siri, why did Apple make you? They wanted to make you happy. <laughs> and Siri, what are you wearing today? In the cloud, no one knows what you're wearing. <laughs> Siri, what does Siri mean? Siri is just the name they gave me when I got the job. It doesn't mean any one specific thing, but I like it. <laughs> I have been pressing this button like you have for years. And I always wondered, I'll bet like you have, is there a real person behind this machine? Yes, there is. And I have her here today. Welcome, Siri, Susan Bennett. So glad you're with me today. Why, thank you. <laughs> Do you want to use any particular voice when you say that? Well, now, see, my voice is the original Siri voice, and it sounds a little bit different from the Siri that's on there now. Oh. Um, Siri's a millennial now, and uh, she used to sound like this. Oh, my gosh. I can't wait to get into all of this. Susan, let me just begin by saying, um, you know, you are a voice actor. You are a music musician. You are a singer. And having talked with you before the show, you're a fabulous human being. And that's the only kind of people that I like to have on the show. So tell us, how did you become the iconic voice of Siri? Well, to tell you the truth, I really don't know. Um, Apple has not really disclosed any information about how the voices were chosen. And you know there's more than one because they have different voice actors doing different languages uh, throughout the world. Um, I know that I got the job because I am a voice actor and I had done a lot of what are called IVR recordings, interactive voice response recordings, from which Siri, Alexa, Cortana, all the other uh, virtual assistant voices came from, including GPS voices. So as far as why my voice was chosen, I had read that one of the original engineers said they wanted a voice that sounded otherworldly but had a dry sense of humor. So whoever chose my voice apparently thought I fit that description. So, <laughs> And you do because Siri has some of the funniest things. But let's go back to this accident. You shared with me that it was almost an accident that you walked in that day. What was that about? That I walked in that day. I, Someone, I, um, I mean, how did you just show up to do the gig? Oh, I didn't just show up to do the gig because uh, the gig took many, many hours of recording. Um, I had done some work through a company called GM Voices here in Atlanta, who liaised with the Nuance Company. They're the biggest IVR company in the world, and they're the ones that Apple got the voices from. And I believe Apple eventually bought 
nuance. I'm not 100% sure of that. But um, I had done all these recordings, and I've spoken to a lot of other original uh, Siri voices as well, and they had the same experience. During the time that we were doing these recordings, which were back uh, in my mind, were began in 2005, um, we just thought we were doing generic voices for phone systems. And so we had no idea that suddenly these voices were be going to become a persona. And so all of us were kind of surprised uh, on October 4th, 2011, when Siri appeared and, and she had our voices and we were going, wait a minute, <laughs> what? <laughs> Who is this person? Well, did they, uh, as a voice actor and when you were recording, can you share a little behind the scenes? So what was it like to literally do the work, Susan? Okay, well, it was extremely tedious because um, I need to go into a little explanation of how the voice, how the recordings became the voices. Um, the scripts that we had to read for all of these voices were created just for sound and not at all for content because ultimately the sounds had to be reformed uh, to become the answers for all of these virtual assistants. The process is called concatenation. I never heard the word, but it is in the dictionary and it means linking things together. So once we had done these recordings, technicians and computers would go into the recordings and extract sounds, reform them into new phrases and sentences. And these are what ended up on our devices. But meanwhile, the scripts were really, really strange because as I said, they were created just for sound. So everything had to be done very consistently. Uh, normally when we, when we humans speak, we're, when we're animated, maybe we'll go down here and say, oh, I wasn't sure about that. And then I went up here and it's a, you know, up and down and uh, not for concatenation. We, it had to almost be a monotone, same pitch, same pacing, uh, same tone throughout. And so that's what made it so tedious. We had to read sentence after sentence. And of course, because the sentences and phrases were created just for sound and not at all for meaning, they were all pretty weird and wacky, such as cow hoist in the tub hut today. Say schist fresh issue today. Fossa ask fossa ask fussy. Militia oi hallucinate buckra okra ooze. And then we had some really tedious stuff. They would take one word and then just change the vowel sound. So it would be something like this. Say the shrouding again, say the shrading again, say the shrouding again, say the shrieding again, say the shredding again, say the shrouding again. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> this is awesome to hear about this because how would we know how all of this was done? Yeah. Now, Susan, <laughs> when, um, so you did this and you were Siri. And how long did it take for us to know you were Siri? Well, it took me a couple of years to actually reveal myself because when I first found out that I was Siri, I was kind of horrified because it was a big deal and I didn't know anything about it. So usually when we voice actors go up for a job, we know what we're auditioning for and we're trying for a specific sound. But in the digital age, we're all auditioning without even realizing it sometimes. And so that's what happened with the Siri gig. 
uh, I must have been a part of some big voice bank and someone chose my voice. So it was all very surprising. Well, how did you find out? A fellow voice actor emailed me and said, hey, we're playing around with this new Apple app. Isn't this you? And I went, what? And I went on the Apple site and listened to the new iPhone Siri. And yep, that was me. Oh, for goodness sake. All right. So you found out. You were surprised. Mm -hmm. So how did the world find out? Uh, Well, the world found out a couple of years later. When I finally decided, and most people go, gee, why, why did you wait so long? Well, I knew that it was going to impact my voiceover career. And I've been doing voiceover for many, year, many years. And there are many different aspects to voiceover. There are radio and TV commercials, animation, gaming, narrations, promos, trailers, all kinds of things. And I had been fortunate enough to do a lot of different um, parts of the voiceover business. I was very concerned that if I revealed myself as the voice of Siri, that suddenly I would be typecast. And that's all that people would think that I could do. And so suddenly I wouldn't be given these other opportunities or or even the chance to audition for other, other different things. That was a problem for me. Also, I really did not have any interest in fame. And I thought, ooh, this Siri thing is a big deal. And so if I... If I reveal myself, I'm going to have to deal with some some bit of fame. And, uh, you know, I wasn't sure I was interested in that. I'm kind of an introvert myself, so I, <laughs> and a very private person. So I wasn't, wasn't sure if I wanted to deal with all that. Isn't that interesting? Because now, here you are, first of all, being so dynamic and, and as if you are an extrovert. I know that's probably something that we all have to learn. Having said that, you were encouraged to do what you're doing now on stage in front of thousands in audiences. So how did that happen? Well, I thanks to my wonderful agents at Vox Inc. in Los Angeles, uh, Wes Stevens and Tom Lawless, I started to do a lot of different series appearances. Um, I did a lot of uh, appearances for tech companies. And there was one uh, conference for a company called Tech Media, and their main keynote speaker was Steve Wozniak, or Woz. And he, of course, was Steve Jobs' partner. And also, he was the genius who actually built the original Apple computers. And uh, he's a very dynamic speaker, very ni- dynamic man, very, very um, interested uh, in education. And he was a very approachable person, too. Um, all the the young techie geeks that wanted to talk to him get his you know, get his input on things. He would sit down and talk to all of them. He was just the nicest man. And I was called on stage to answer some questions about Siri. And um, I used to be in theater in school and that sort of thing. So I'm I'm comfortable on on a stage. I'm I'm not at all inhibited on a stage. And so he pulled me aside. He said, you know, you really ought ought to do this. You ought to really get into doing, you know, speaker events and things. And uh, for a while there, my agent was trying to um, book me along with Steve Wozniak, but he asked for so much money that the companies that hired him didn't (laughs) have any leftover from me. And I said, well, (laughs) much as I'd love to do it, I just really not crazy about doing this for free. (laughs) And so you've been doing the speaking engagement now for how long, Susan? Oh, I guess it's been about four or five years now. What do you love most about that? Well, uh, 
I guess I just like the whole experience of it. It was something new for me to sit down and create my own presentation. I had never had to do that. Whenever I'd been on stage before, it was either as a singer um, and keyboard player or I was doing a part. And so the script had been written for me though. So this is the first time that I'd had to write my own sort of script. And of course I, you know, I'm just a, a pretty forthright person. And so I'm just kind of get up there and be myself. And <laughs> hopefully people find some, some part of that interesting. Well, I found it fascinating and the audience will too. We're going to have at the end of the show, all the places where we can reach you and learn more about that. One of the things that I saw when I saw your video was that you share with the audience some of these voices, starting from the very first one you did, I think, for a children's show. Would you mind, I know you get asked this a lot, but would you mind giving us some of the voices and how they, what they relate to? Okay. Well, I did some great voices for a little uh, website that I don't think is still functioning. It was a really cute website for kids, uh, how to learn music and stuff. And it was called Claus Kids. It was all, all based on, you know, Christmas and Santa Claus and stuff. And so I played the little elf, Star. Hi, my name is Star. I live up at the North Pole with Santa and Mrs. Claus. Would you, would you like to come up and visit me there, there sometime? You would? Oh boy! <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's so fun. All right. Now take us to I'm in Delta Airlines at the airport and I'm hearing this voice. And what was that? Welcome to Delta Airlines. Thank you so much. I would like to inform you that you are in zone Z. I'm so sorry. Susan, it's amazing. What an interesting career and how oh, it's Oh, I know. I, I thank my lucky stars every day. I've been so fortunate. Knocking on wood as I speak. <laughs> well, yes, thank you for being grateful. But having said that, you overcame something that you, no one knew you were Siri. You didn't know you were Siri. That could have been kind of a downer. And yet you took that experience and you made it into something really special. That was a life, had to be a life lesson for you. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, as I said, I'm a very private person. And, you know, there are many introverts that get up on stage. And, and it's not that we can't get up and perform and do that sort of thing. It's just that we're not on all the time. I mean, if we want to do the stage thing and then it's like, okay, this has been really great. I'm going home to read a book now. <laughs> You know, so um, I think that I was just really concerned about losing my own identity in the whole thing. And as I said before, I was very concerned about how it was going to impact my career. And so I'll have to say that for several months, I was kind of freaked out. I didn't really know how to handle this situation. And it became an incredible life lesson for me because all of the concerns I had about it were basically related to fear. And that's one of the things I talk about in my presentation. And I say that, uh, you know, fear can sometimes be our friend because fear will sometimes keep us from doing something incredibly stupid or dangerous. But on the other hand, it can also keep, keep us from moving forward because we're afraid to fail or we're afraid to look stupid or what, for whatever reason, we're afraid to move ahead. And that's what, that's what kept me, um, you know, just in, 
in the background for, for such a long time. I had to, I just had to finally face those fears and just say, look, my husband and son were very instrumental in getting me to reveal myself because they just said, look, this is such a unique and incredible opportunity. It's just crazy that you don't try to, you know, hop on this, this little Siri bandwagon here. So finally, <laughs> finally, I agreed with them. And I'm so glad you did. Thank you for that lesson learned. I always, as my audience knows, I ask people to give us those lessons learned. And that's a big one. I don't know anyone, Susan, that doesn't have in the back of our minds sometimes that fear. Mm -hmm. um, so that's very real. Thank you for being so real as you are. Let me go to something else now, which is about you as a person. This is the fascinating mm -hmm. part. First of all, you... Uh, as four-year-old young child prodigy, prodigy, unveiled your wonderful talent in piano. Would you tell us about that and then singing? This is incredible. Well, I was born with just, just able to do a, a few certain things. And one of those things was play music by ear. And uh, for whatever reason, neither of my parents was musical. But for whatever reason, they bought me a little one octave piano when I was a little kid. And I was able to pick out melodies on it without reading music or without getting any instruction. And our next door neighbor heard me playing. He was an elderly gentleman, Mr. Chegner. And uh, he called my parents and said, I think you have a very musical child. I'm getting ready to move and I would like to give her my upright piano. So he gave me the piano that I spent 12 years taking lessons on. <laughs> and um, so that's how that all began. And uh, yeah, I'm very grateful to that man. And were you singing at the same time? No, I didn't get into singing until high school. Um, I didn't realize that that I had a singing voice. I wasn't drawn to it for whatever reason. But then when I got into to high school, and they started doing uh, musicals. I thought, ooh, that might be fun. And so that's when I started singing. And then after I graduated from college, um, I started playing in a band there. I realized that I thought that I was, I, I did acting and I did theater and all kinds of things. But I realized after, after school that I was probably a better musician than I was an actor. And so I decided to go in that direction. Tell us about that direction. I want to know about all these wonderful, famous people that as a singer, you didn't, I can't believe you didn't even realize that till high school. And then you started touring the world with Roy Orbison. And well, that came, that came a few years later. Um, I start, had my first band at Brown University and uh, that was really fun. Uh, my first, you know, musical pain gigs. I got married pretty young. I got married actually right at the end of my 21 years, going into 22. And uh, my former husband, my first husband, uh, ended up being a, um, a hockey player in the, in the NHL. And so we ended up moving to Atlanta because he played first for the New York Rangers and then was traded to the Atlanta Flames when they were formed in 1972. And um, I was two at the time. It was pretty of precocious. course. <laughs> and uh, so we moved south. And that's when I just started, you know, singing and playing out in clubs. 
And, uh, and it just sort of took off from there. And also I started to sing in different recording studios in Atlanta. And, uh, you know, Atlanta's a real center uh, now of recording, both for film, television, and audio. Um, there are a lot of fabulous studios here now. And at the time, I just started to do a lot of radio and TV jingles, is what they were called, the, the songs that people created for commercials. And at the time, you could make a career doing that. So I would do that um, a lot. And um, one day, uh, I sang a jingle with a group of people. And when we finished up, the voice actor didn't show up for whatever reason. So the owner of the studio said to me, Susan, you don't have an accent. Come over here and read this copy. And so I did. And I, a little, you know, bells going off, ding, ding, ding. I can do this. So I got um, a voice coach and then a talent agent. And I've been doing voiceovers ever since. Isn't that interesting how things happen? You start yeah. with something and pretty soon mm -hmm. life opens. And one of the other things you talked to me about, Susan, was exactly <laughs> this. You said, take chances, try new things. You might be really good at something that you don't expect. Right. I know that a lot of times, you know, now with, uh, with all our new agey stuff about how to behave and how to feel, and it's a, there's a lot of emphasis on following your dream. Well, you know, some of us didn't really have a particular dream or if we had an idea of the dream. And my feeling is, you know, especially when you're really young, just try a lot of different things. You, you never really know. I mean, you might be really great at horseback riding and, you know, and you grew up in the city or something, but, you know, keep trying and taking advantage of every opportunity you have. And that's another thing too, is that you never stop learning because this, you know, this latest lesson of uh, facing fear really came to me. And I was in my mid sixties. So you're never too late to learn. But you're only 39. <laughs> yeah, I'm going backwards. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do that. It is so obvious to me and to the audience that you are such a fun person. I'm looking at your background and it's really fun. There's a lot of cats. Tell yes. us about your particular cat named Robert Redford. Oh, Robert Redford is is quite a handsome, handsome guy. We had the fabulous uh, cat named Boo for over 20 years. And he was an indoor-outdoor cat, quite the hunter. And he was a very sort of austere character. Very sweet, but he wasn't very interactive. And we decided that we didn't want to get another cat that looked just like him. So a couple of years ago, we tried going without a cat for a while. But I told my husband, I said, this is the first time in 40 years that I haven't had a cat. I said, I'm really having feline withdrawal. And so we started looking for um, a ginger tabby because we'd never had one. So we kept looking and kept looking and kept looking. And finally, the last place we looked, we walk into the cat room and I'm looking around and I don't see any ginger cat, ginger cats. But I noticed at the back of the cat room, there was this little alcove. And I walked to the back and I peeked around and there was Robert just sitting there as if to say, what took you so long? <laughs> <laughs> so he was talking to you. <laughs> oh, he's such a fabulous guy. He, he is the most affectionate guy that, we, that we've ever had. Uh, he's just a fabulous cat. <laughs> very, very affectionate, very friendly. I'm trying to find a good picture of him here. Uh, we only have about a million of them, of course, I'm sure. This, this kind of shows his personality. You can see that. 
that. Oh, my producer, Derek, is a cat lover as well. That's yeah. precious. Yes. And when we first uh, adopted him from the shelter, his name was Cantaloupe. And I told my husband, I said, oh, we can't call this beautiful little cat Cantaloupe. What a terrible name. And he's, and I said, we've got to think of a better name. He goes, how about Robert Redford? I said, oh, okay. Well, he's strawberry blonde. He's kind of a diva. He's very handsome. Okay. <laughs> so that's his name. That's perfect. That's yeah. perfect. So back to the room and the cats. So is there anything in the room behind that we can see that's kind of special, unique, or different? Well, this table was hand-painted by a friend of mine. I'm a Leo, and so she painted a Leo table for me. This, uh, this thing over here is a, a needlepoint that I did years ago. And uh, most of the stuff is just stuff that I think is fun or funny. And I have a lot of things that I've collected from doing Siri interviews and things like that. As I like to say, I, I like to uh, decorate with a sense of humor. Susan, is it possible to hold that picture up that we can see it? The needlepoint? Uh-huh. Yeah, sure. Hang on. I kind of, yeah, it's kind of an abstract, as you can see. You did that. Yeah, and it's, no, that's not, yeah, that might be Petty Point, too. Yeah, My goodness. Turn it this way, then you can see the whole thing. Yeah. What a woman. Thank you for that. What a woman of many talents. Yes, you are fun. You are fun, Susan. And well, you also. Well, talent to do a needlepoint. It just takes eyesight and patience. Perfectionist. <laughs> Um, I don't want to leave before I also share with the audience a couple more things that I thought were important lessons learned that you shared. One of them, Susan, was, <laughs> I liked this one, be realistic. If you're 5'2", you're probably not going to be a model. Right. Uh, how did that play out for you? Why was that something that was a lesson learned? Well, I think we all have to find our way, but I think we all have to know ourselves. Um, know our, you know, pluses and minuses, and which isn't to say that we can't change things, but there are certain things that we can't change. I mean, we can't really change our bodies. I mean, we can nip and tuck here and there, but, uh, you know, there are just certain things, and, and perhaps, you know, if you're totally uncoordinated, you're probably not going to be an athlete, you know, so face it. Um, so you have to kind of be realistic in your goals um, and just know yourself, know what you like to do, and it's, I mean, you really stri strike gold if you are able to make a living doing what you like to do. I mean, regardless of whether you become fabulously wealthy or what you consider to be, you know, have fame and fortune, regardless of that, if you get to, you know, live your life, make a living doing what you love to do, that is a big plus. That's success to me. Mm. Susan, I'm so grateful that you did find all of the opportunities that you now share with audiences around the world and particularly in what you're doing now. It was so fun to hear some of the Siri voices and other commercials that you did. Thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thank you for inviting me. I've enjoyed it. You're welcome. And for our audience, here are some places, many, that you can follow Susan. And let me just tell you, go to her website because she's got some great uh, interviews, other interviews she's done with very famous people. Again, thank you for being on this show. And she has some uh, pieces of her keynote, which you'll find funny 
and fun and also very special. And so now as I close out the show, I always want to say, again, hit the red button and be sure you tune in next week. When you hit the red button, you'll get a notice, and then you won't miss any of these shows because we continue to have really fabulous guests like we did today. I also want to just say, if I can be a resource for you in what I love to do and what I have found to be my life calling besides this, is to give you the best of the best thoughts and coaching that I possibly can as an executive coach on leadership. If you have some issues, if you've got some challenges, I have a few scars that I've had. Maybe I can keep you from getting them. Give me a call or go to my website, Valerie at ValerieAndCompany.com. Until next time, bye for now. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. To receive Valerie's voice, free monthly leadership tips, and to learn more about her leadership programs and coaching, visit her website, ValerieAndCompany.com. Next week, we'll be here again to inspire, engage, and equip you with teachable points of view from successful leaders who have been doing it right. Until then, lead authentically.